0: Coming up on this week's show, we get a little bit naughty and a little bit nice as we talk to several best-selling authors about the impreg genre. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture.
1: Welcome to episode 215 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Will Knaus. Hello, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. We'll have more information on how you can join them at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we have coming up for you next week.
0: But right now, we have something special. I think It's something that we don't get to do very often. Uh, Essentially, we have a roundtable author interview. Um, When we were at GRL in October, we gathered uh, a group of incredibly talented and impressive authors, and we kind of sat around and discussed the popularity of the impreg genre and uh, you're gonna wanna stick around because you're gonna be hearing from some heavy hitters. Uh, This interview contains um, words of wisdom from the likes of Nora Phoenix and Sylvia Violet, Susie Hawk and Victoria Sue. Um, They're all wonderful and they're funny and uh, give a little bit of insight into why impreg has become so very popular. And you're going to want to stick around to the end of the interview, because after we finish talking to these wonderful ladies, we're going to have a quick chat with Charlie David about his work as a narrator on some impreg books. So shall we get to it? Absolutely. Let's do it. When I saw the list of authors that were coming to GRL, I was frankly tickled pink that I saw so many impreg authors and that four of them have agreed to sit with us today and talk about this wildly popular subgenre. I'm so very thrilled. I'm going to have each of you uh, introduce yourselves and explain a little bit about what subgenre you write in. I'd like to start immediately on my left. Nora, introduce yourself.
2: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. My name is Nora Phoenix. I write, um, obviously, Mpreg. I also write contemporary, and I like to throw in some random subgenres like sci-fi and apocalyptic whenever the mood strikes. I switch off between uh, impreg and contemporary because I I like both. I don't want to be stuck in one thing, um, and it keeps the mind creative if you switch off. I've been um, writing for about two years now and having a ton of fun.
3: I'm Sylvia Violet, and I write um, impreg with shapeshifters, And I also write shapeshifter paranormals that don't include impreg as well as contemporary. And like Nora, I like to switch back and forth. It keeps me fresh. If I stick in one subgenre for too long, it's just harder to get inspired to write. I have been publishing for almost 15 years. I started out in male-female romance and in 2011 started writing MM and have pretty
4: much been there since. Hi, I'm Victoria Sue. I write m all the way to serial killers. I haven't <laughs> managed both of them in the same book yet, but give me a chance. <laughs> uh, I've been writing m for four years, started out with Shifters, and then my uh, most recent series, his first, is Omegaverse. I'm Susie
5: Hawk. I've been writing for a little over two years, primarily MPREG. This year I switched to doing Contemporary also. My MPREG, I do both Shifters and Contemporary MPREG and Omegaverse.
0: Fantastic. Now, one of the main reasons that I wanted to do sort of this informal panel with the four of you is because despite the fact that the subgenre has taken off, uh, especially in the last couple of years, is that there are some people who still have no idea what impreg is, and that's. I wanted this episode of the podcast to sort of serve as an introduction to the genre, maybe sort of impreg 101, so I thought we'd start out with some definitions that are unique and special to this uh, type of story. To start off, impreg actually stands for male pregnancy. We'll get that out of the way first. I think one of the most basic definitions, of course. I think when it comes to this subgenre, it generally falls into two different categories.
5: Contemporary m is M-Preg without shifters. It's just regular people who have the ability to get pregnant. Omegaverse means m is not necessarily in the book, but it's there in the universe. Piper Scott is known for that. She'll write books that... You may or may not have a pregnancy, and that's Omegaverse. My newest series, Assassin's Clause, is Omegaverse, even though it's shifters because there isn't a pregnancy in every book.
3: So, yeah, so basically I think for some readers at least, if they see impreg in the series title or that's how you advertise it, they expect there to be a pregnancy that is and part of the focus of the book that's taken all the way through birth, whereas if it's labeled Omegaverse – there might be, there might not be, that ability's there, but maybe it, you know, that a pregnancy is not gonna happen in that book.
2: Yeah, and, and I think an with sh- with, Shifter, with Shifter, it's the same. So it can have a pregnancy, it doesn't have to have one. So you have a little more freedom in whether or not it fits into your story.
5: But it's so important because our readers will be livid if we market MPreg and there is no baby. Yes. <laughs> but if they know it's Omegaverse, it's okay.
0: I'd like to talk about a couple of familiar tropes. In the genre, one of the first is, of, of course, that one of the heroes is going to have to end up pregnant at some point, which mm-hmm. means unprotected sex. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to talk about that and how you handle, uh, from a storytelling perspective, the reasons why the heroes might choose <laughs> unprotected sex. Mm-hmm. And how, how, <laughs> how, how creative do you have to get sometimes in order to come up with those reasons?
4: That's that's quite easy actually because all my uh, mpregs take part in a paranormal world, so my shifters don't contract human diseases. So that takes that takes immediate care of that. In the normal world, condoms break. That's
5: exactly what I would have said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's pretty much a general thing across the board. We all have our different worlds we create and the ways we come at it, but it's all the same for that. Shifters, that's our one free pass. They (laughs) don't carry human diseases, and yes, condoms break.
2: What I love is that you're not bound to the same, I don't want to call them rules, but they kind of are, as you are in contemporary non-empreg romance, where you have to be super careful to... Have your characters have unprotected sex for obvious reasons in in shifter and empric, you can get away with that, which gives you a little more room to play with.
3: And I think also different authors handle that differently. For some, you know, it is just well, this is a shifter world, and they're you know they're not worried about disease, and so it's it's not as much of an issue. And then some, you know, I've read some contemporaries where, I mean, it is. And then they have to, you have to figure out like, okay, well, is it going to be the condom break? Is it going to be just heat of the moment or, you know, and, and you have to get more creative.
2: Heat of the moment. That's a fun joke uh, for that's an Mpreg book. The <laughs> yeah. I love that. That was a, that was a great yeah. pun.
0: <laughs> we spoke just a moment ago about the pregnancy and whether certain readers expect there to be a birth by the end of the book. I think uh, commonly there's an epilogue in in most stories where we flash forward a couple of months to uh, find out what happened to our happy couple. Uh, Do do your readers expect that in most of your books?
4: They want the whole thing. They want the whole twelve-hour delivery. They want the whole (laughs) blood, guts, and gore. They want the whole pain. They want the don't step that shit in the epilogue. If you you miss that out, if you miss that out, you are in big trouble. They want the whole thing, swollen ankles, high blood
5: pressure. <laughs> so one of the reasons I believe that I became more um, known as an author is because I focused on the pregnancy and the delivery, and that was entirely accidental because I was in the hospital, and I was reading MPRAG books because I stumbled across it, and I was like, well, this is interesting. And I'm reading the reviews, and all the reviews are like, they didn't show the pregnancy. And then I became hyper aware of that. Mm-hmm. So when I started writing, I said, I've got to include the pregnancy. And in my first series, I didn't show the delivery, and everyone loved the series. But every set of reviews has at least one person saying, I wish we could
4: have seen the delivery. So, and then you got you've got the problem of of the whole nine months mm-hmm. if you're going to choose that, which is an easy thing for shifters, because I mean wolves kind of themselves give birth at like 24 weeks or something like that. So you can usually dial that back a little bit unless you're going to write a 300-page yeah. book. You can't mm-hmm. do really do a nine-month pregnancy or you need time jumps yeah. or something yeah. like that. And sometimes managed. the readers will feel cheated unless you give them a real reason for why it's happening in a short space of time.
2: I, I think I get away with that a little. I have one m series. It's a continuing series. I tend to bend the MPRAC conventions a little, try to, yeah, not, not, not deliberately, but I play around with what was common a little. So my first books don't even have a pregnancy, the first two in the series. And the, that, because it's a continuing storyline, I have the time to set up the, the pregnancy. I have the time to set up all the, the issues during uh, the pregnancy. For me, the biggest challenge, because it's a continuing series and I have a lot of pregnant people at the same time, is that I need an Excel sheet to keep track of um, due dates <laughs> Deli- and <yes. laughs> delivery yeah, dates okay. and yeah. what uh, age babies are. And <laughs> my Excel sheet by now is uh, pretty damn complicated, but it's fun. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's definitely been a challenge for me at times with figuring out the timeline. And I've certainly done, um, in my Trillium Creek series, I do a lot of get to a certain point in the pregnancy, give them the pregnancy symptoms and all that sort of stuff, but then skip ahead. And the epilogue is the birth scene. Mm -hmm. That works for me. And I also, it's a shifter series, so they have a six-month gestation. Same
5: with me. um, If you've read my books, very many of them, you'll notice there's a pattern I have three pivotal things that have to be hit in every book. We have to have the big aha, we discovered the pregnancy moment. We have to have the morning sickness or the clue that there's pregnant. And we have to have the sweet moment of the other partner rubbing his feet or his belly or being sweet and tender. You have to include those. And also my shifter pregnancies, what you were talking about, how we can play around with it. I tie them to the real-life animals' gestation mm-hmm. rates yeah. to make it shorter. Yeah. So my wolves have three-month pregnancies. I mean, it's weird.
2: Yeah, makes it easier if yeah. you have shorter pregnancies because nine months in in a book, um, you have to do some time jumps if if a pregnancy is nine months. Definitely. Yeah, so I actually much like
3: different, like the six-month time and. Made a little chart of converting that. Like, where would you be if it had been a nine month pregnancy? How many weeks yeah. to hit that <laughs> that's morning? Exactly that where you like, might you get know. morning sickness? Where you might start to show where you yeah, might get a.
2: Yeah, where it's detectable and, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Yeah, that's
5: right. Did math. <laughs> math is hard. <laughs> math is hard.
0: <laughs> Susie, you brought up an interesting point. Traditionally, shifter books feature wolves, but of course, any kind of animal can be used in an impreg shifter story. Can we talk about some of the different species that each you of you have want maybe to talk used?
5: talk about unicorns, don't you? I love <laughs> those
0: unicorn books so very, very much. In the genre, there is a startling array when it comes to uh, shifter stories, like the books that Susie has done with Piper Scott, the Redneck Unicorns, which I adored. How about you guys? Are there other types that you've explored in your stories?
3: I am currently working on a dragon series in the middle of November that will start to be available. So it's a dragon shifter series. That's been really, you know, really interesting and dealing with the, you know, a non-mammal shifter species um, and kind of figuring out the the world-building of that has been um, really interesting for me.
2: I, I have my one series, which is kind of a cross between shifter and non-shifter, because I've created a world where shifting is no longer possible for reasons, and then I slowly introduce a development which means that they can shift again, but not everybody, so it's kind of a... I'm giving away um, spoilers here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if you haven't read the books, I apologize. <laughs> but. It, I loved playing with that because you get to start out with, I don't want to say regular people, because obviously it's still m but you don't have the shifter capabilities, but you introduce them slowly. And I found it very fun to play around with that. But they are wolf shifters. Mm -hmm. So I've kept to as many of the wolf characteristics in terms of length of pregnancy as I could.
4: In both my uh, Sirius Wolf series and my Alpha King series, they are all shifter-wolf-human pairings. That's, that's I love that series. Yeah, and it's usually the, the human that, like, often he doesn't know that werewolves exist, and then how the heck did I manage to get pregnant in the first place? <laughs> and that's, that's usually, I like, I like that. That's a bit of fun.
2: I also love the series that Piper wrote with Virginia Kelly um, with uh, dragons, uh, Megs, they call it, and um, with eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that series was phenomenal. That was absolutely hilarious. Uh, great, yeah, uh, very original. I love that.
5: For me, I have all the shifters. The funny thing is, I was kind of a snob when I started out. I was like, no, it's a wolf, it's a bear, or it's a dragon, that's it. And then I was co-writing with uh, Krista Crown, our team alpha, and she's like, Susie, we have to have other shifters. So she keeps writing in all these weird things, and I end up loving them. So we've got snakes and hedgehogs and flamingos and neurons <laughs> you have
2: flamingo shifters she
5: has how, a, how did I miss those <laughs> she has a goat doctor I mean she put and then now what happened I find myself writing them and it's fun so you just gotta roll that I I don't think there's an animal I probably wouldn't write into a book at this point but I the main ones that sell that readers really look for are wolves bears and dragons
0: the classic trio
5: Yes, <laughs> yes. classics. Yes. Let's
0: uh, get into some definitions from the subgenre. Let's get a little biological. Talk to me about what it means for heat in an impreg book.
4: From, from my point of view, it goes basically back to the female and their uh, menstrual cycle. To, to put it bluntly, I get biologically with it. It's, that's where the idea comes from, from the heat, that the um, omegas... Or the person that's going to get pregnant, Mm -hmm. whether they're shifter or non shifter, goes into a heat cycle. This is the time at which they can get pregnant. That's what it's traditionally, that shows them, that's the kind of like the few days they can get pregnant. And that runs the gamut of uh, some omegas that need sex, need um, orgasms to um, basically function. She's Afterwards. the wrong person to be answering this because she's too ladylike. You know <laughs> yeah. well, it sounds
2: so proper when yes, she says it. <laughs> very, you said last year can
5: cuss. That's when they're <laughs> fucking owning. Yes. yes, and they need exactly. it, and they can get awesome. pregnant, yeah. Yeah. and it's like yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Well, I'm You're trying so to ladylike. Be nice.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on the way the author handles it because you know I've read Impreg where heat was just. You know just the time that you're fertile and maybe you know you'd be more interested in sex then but it it's just you know more like the time when women are fertile in our human world but then i've read ones where they are truly like completely unable to think unable to function and at that point to me i feel like it is and so you know, in my series, I, I set it up to where my characters make clear their consent before they yes. reach that level
5: of, yes. of being out of it. I had my guy in Los Angeles, he iced him down. He put ice packs all over him until he could clearly say, yes, I consent. Also, in a lot of my books with heat, it comes on, you get your first heat when you meet your fated mate. So I don't think the dubious consent is as much of a thing when it's your other half of your soul.
2: Well, in, in my series, it's, it's very much an issue because I've built a world where, and again, I have to be so careful not to spoil the whole series, <laughs> but where there's uh, certain omegas who have a genetic mutation that makes their heat even more intense. And I wanted to do that on purpose Again, empreg is seen as, as maybe a light genre, but I like to put a little message in there. And I think discussion about consent is, is a super important one, and it's one of the reasons why I put that in the book, to be able to, to have characters talk about that.
5: You're right. It is important. When I say I get irritated by it, I mean I get irritated when people just throw it around without oh, really I know. knowing what they're talking about. They don't really read empreg, so they just throw that out there, and then that's when I get irritated. I am super protective, like, come at me, bro, when it comes to Mpreg, not because I write it, but because the readers are the most loyal readers of they any are. genre. They, they are. And I just want to hug them all to my heart and just <laughs> don't put down their genre. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's so much that we could go into, like Alpha and Omega dynamics, and as one of you mentioned earlier, Uh, before Fated Mates. But I want to ask for a definition of one more thing, something Jeff just learned about today, as a matter of fact. He was talking to uh, another... Author of Impreg. Please say, no, I,
5: please I say wanna, not.
0: I want to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was waiting <laughs> for that. I would like to talk about the concept of knotting. And for those of you who are listening, I'm talking about knot with a K, K N O T. So who would like to tackle this discussion first? I will. Susie, go ahead. I knew and, she was going to jump so, on that. I'm going to
5: jump on it for two reasons because I have two different types of knots in my books. So dogs knot, cats knot, they have their barbs. In the animal kingdom, animals get locked together so that the seed stays in long enough to impregnate. That's just how it's biologically set up. If we're writing shifters, it makes sense to have the knot for the same reason. And a lot of readers love the knot because as it expands and presses on all those lovely little places that you may have, it, it's almost like being <laughs> fisted after that point and it just it adds the kink that the readers love but for me the nodding is about the connection because a lot of mine only true mates cannot Mm -hmm. so when you're locked together after you've had sex you can't just roll over you can't just get up and go out and have a cigarette or go to the bathroom whatever you have to be tender and you have that moment of vulnerability so that's what I love about nodding and then I mentioned the cat barbs. <laughs> I have a lot of people ask me about this, the knotting vortex. I have cat shifters where they have little nubbins that come out like Velcro or that with the sensitivity of nipples <laughs> that go in a spiral. And they get locked together like that and they come out. And it's, that's my version of like a cat barb and a knot. Mm-hmm. And it's all in the same thing.
2: I, th- I think what Susie says is very right. If you if you ask readers, and we do regularly ask mm-hmm. our readers, you know, what do you love about impreg? Y- you know, they'll say uh, the babies and the pregnancy, and but nodding is one of the things nodding they mention a lot. It's, it's,
4: but I, I think it actually speaks to a deeper level, the symbolism uh, that two people have to be so intimately connected for certain things to, to happen. And when you write in romance, you're writing a love story, that's That's the whole uh, gist of the matter that that two people not only are physically connected, but you know they're, they're part of each other's soul. and that's what mm. readers want to read about. They mm-hmm. want to hear about the deeper connections and and how that's demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think it's really interesting. When I first learned about ImpreG a couple of years ago, I thought, like, what? But then I saw how popular it was becoming, and I said, okay, I'm going to give this a try. And it was wonderful, and it was unique, and, like, (laughs) crazy, super sexy. And I think those early days of Mpreg, it was mainly focused a lot on the sex. And I think in the intervening years, stories have become a little bit more complex, And it's more about the romance and the connection, as you were just speaking about Victoria. I think that's what readers have really started to connect with and why they're so loyal, especially now. There's just been a remarkable surge in popularity in this particular subgenre. And I wanted to ask you, why is it so popular with readers now?
3: I think right now a lot of readers are looking for things that make them feel good. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are looking, enjoy that aspect of like a book that's going to end not just with a happily ever after, but with a happy family, especially a lot of people who maybe their own family is not happy. And so while certainly not true of all impreg, but a lot of impreg books are fairly, there, there's a lot of sweet romance or sweet moments and those connections, like like you were saying, no serial killers.
4: No
3: serial killers. <laughs> the, the, you know, like I said, it doesn't speak to all, but I think a lot of people have come to rely on that genre as a place that they're going to get a book that's going to make them feel really good in a time where a lot of us are feeling really uncertain.
2: Yeah, it's, I think what you're saying is very right. A lot of impreg books also have that theme of found family because we mm-hmm. often write about either pacts, which are most of the time not related by blood but more related by... Pack bonds. You kind of have that found family, and as we all know, not everybody has that in their real life. And and we all read to, to escape. And I think it's a happy escape for readers to read about something that maybe they would want to see in their own lives. That makes them happy. That that just you know distracts them from the realities of life. And that's why I read it too. So Plus a hot guy and holding mom. a baby. Oh, please. <laughs> There's that. Obviously. <laughs> There's that. Some of my
5: MPREG author friends and I who, we're in a chat group where we all exchange ideas and brainstorm and chat together. That's one thing that we all come back to is the thing that's great about MPREG is it doesn't matter whether it's male-male, female-female, male-female. If two people love each other, they can make their own family, and Mm -hmm. one partner has the ability.
0: I'm curious. Susie spoke to this earlier that she started reading MPREG, when you were uh, recovering in the hospital. How did you each individually discover MPREG and decide that you wanted to write it?
2: My first MPREG was super weird. I can't remember the title. I was reading MM Romance and it came recommended on Amazon, I, I think through Kindle Unlimited probably, and I started reading it and I didn't understand one bit of it. It made completely no sense. They were talking about alphas and omegas. I didn't know what nodding was, and I was just completely lost. So then for a while, I didn't read it, and then Susie started writing it, and we connected pretty early in in our careers, and I started reading her books, and I was like, okay, this I can get into, this I love. I started writing it actually because of sort of a challenge in my group. We were talking in my Facebook group how few Holy romance books there are, not necessarily MMM, but with more than 3M, so MMMM or more. <laughs> and my my readers kind of challenged me, like, Nora, you need to write a story with four men. So my mind went spinning with that, and that's how my MPREC uh, series was born, because for me, four men, I wanted to have a situation where they needed each other, not just emotionally, but physically needed each other. And to me, that was almost automatically linked to empreg so I came up with the first two books in my irresistible Omega series where there are four men two Alphas one beta one Omega and I loved it I still I still love writing it and I still love reading it so yeah these authors I've all read and much more
0: <laughs> fantastic
2: for me actually this may
3: show how kind of stubborn I can be at times I got started reading it because there was sort of a a thing on Facebook where somebody was bashing the genre. And I was like, you know, I've never read it. I've never been sure it was my thing. But now I am going to read it. And I'm going to get some recommendations. And I'm going to see what this is all about. Because I don't like seeing any part of our larger genre put down in that way. And I loved what I read. Nora series and several other series. And so then I had been writing contemporary for a while, and I wanted to write a paranormal series. And as I started thinking about a wolf shifter series, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make this an impreg shifter series because I'm loving this. And that was kind of where my reading energy had
4: been. And so I wrote my Trillium Creek series out of that experience.
0: Fantastic. And Victoria Sue?
4: I wrote my first impreg in 2014, um, and I had a couple of arguments with my publisher over making... Uh, it's a seven-book series, and uh, it's, it's a continuation. There isn't a birth in every series. And my publisher at that time wasn't sure it was going to sell. But it did. <laughs> <laughs> you, you proved so them wrong. Yes, huh? <laughs> so I did. Good, yeah. good. And I, I honestly... Um, I'd heard of the concept, but I'd never read one. Before I start writing one,
0: where do you think this subgenre is going? I think what's kind of wonderful and interesting about MPREG is that while there are certain things readers might insist on when they pick up an MPREG book, there's so many different directions that you can take a story. You can have like alphas in space. Or you can do a sweet small-town story about a Omega school teacher who hooks up with the Alpha jock he knew 10 years ago. See, now Something... he's just giving I... us
2: plot bunnies, yeah. really. Right. Please write that book. Yeah. Alpha's in space. But, um... I mean, it sounds kind of cool. I like that. Uh...
5: You can have that. I'll take the school teacher. Okay. <laughs> um... Or we could write together.
0: There are so many different avenues that you can explore. Where do you think the genre is going.
5: I see it going nowhere but up because my friend Ann Catherine Bird, she writes Mpreg. She was told five years ago that m was on its way out. It was dying. It was a dead thing. Go away from it. Don't do it anymore. She stubbornly persisted in her Ocean Port series. It's fantastic. And she was one of my people who got me more into it. And since I've been writing in the two years, a well, little over two years that I've been in writing m I have noticed the quality has increased, the amount of authors has increased. It used to be, you could name off the impreg authors off the top of your head. Now, good luck, there are so many and they're so varied and they're so talented. And we're just growing every day and we get new readers every day. My reader group on Facebook, I've got over 2,100 members. I have a huge newsletter of followers who all love Mpreg, and I keep thinking, oh, but they've read it all now. I've done it all, and then I'll write a new book, and someone will message me and tell me the things that they just discovered Mpreg because of that book. So there are new people coming in every day. So we're just going to keep growing and exploding because the quality that we've brought. My big thing when – okay, I'm going to go off on a tangent. I'm sorry – when i came into M-Prag, there was so much stuff out there where it just wasn't good <laughs> it was crap it wasn't edited it wasn't complete stories i mean you'd pay 2.99 and get 60 pages and they're kissing one minute and he's giving birth to a basket of kittens the next come on so i was like you know what i'm going to do this but i'm going to give quality yes. because that's what i wanted to give my readers I wasn't going to charge them for a book if I didn't feel it was a quality story. And I really feel like myself and my peers are the ones who have brought it up and made it more. The readers expect quality because they've been taught to by us because we've given more quality to it. Yeah, we
2: raised the bar. I I think with, with any genre, as soon as something becomes popular, people will jump on it. And some people will jump on it just to make money. And for a while, MPREG was seen as a quick way to make money, which means that people just, like Susie said, they just put out crap just in in attempts to make money. And it has given MPREG a bit of a bad name for a while, but like Susie said, I'm really proud of uh, the way it's grown. I am so
5: proud. And the quality authors, and we can do things in MPREG that we can't do in contemporary. We can go bareback in MPREG. We can explore uh, more social issues than you can in contemporary, unless you want to write a 500 page tome. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, we deal with social justice issues in so many books, and we throw it all out there, and we expose it, and we bring it to light, and we, we give the healing ending and the happily ever afters, and it's just, you know, it's getting better, and it's going to keep getting better.
2: Although I have to say that idea of alphas in space, I mean, that, I, we could have space empire I can't,
5: again? and let me tell you why. I grew up watching the Muppet Show, and all I heard from that was, pigs in space.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but just right there shows, like, there's so many places you can go with yes. it. So you, you know, the whole concept of the alpha, beta, omega world, the whole idea of the pregnancy and how the pregnancy is handled and how long and you know how does it differ from the real world and there's so many combinations that you can make and so many creative ways to handle it that I just you know there's all kinds of yeah. stuff that hasn't been done yet no as well way. as readers that want the same kind of story that they've had. So. No, just just
2: like it, uh, contemporary keeps involving um, MPREG does does the same. Like you said, there's no ceiling. We haven't done everything we can yet, not by yeah, far. It's not going anywhere anytime nope. soon. No, no, no.
0: Quickly, I wanted to talk about something Victoria Sue brought up, is that most publishers either don't understand or aren't interested about MPREG in publishing it. Practically every author that writes MPREG that I know of publishes independently. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what it was like, whether it was a burden or a joy, when it comes to taking your own career into your own hands and uh, self-publishing these kinds of stories.
2: I've never even considered uh, going for a publisher. Mm-hmm. I used to publish, or used to write nonfiction under a different name through a publisher, and despite you know working my ass off, the bottom line is is It's not zero, but it's very close to zero. So my experiences, and this was a a reputable publisher, and they were great guys, but it's just that it goes through so many layers is that you end up with very little. So when I started writing fiction, I had already decided I'm going to do this myself. It gives you incredible freedom. I love the idea of having full control. I can... Uh, choose my own covers. I can choose my release dates. I can uh, choose whether I want to do sales. I can do my own marketing. I like that, but I'm a control freak. So there's that. Yeah. I had already been self-publishing
3: and other genres before writing impreg. And like Nora, I really like the control that it gives me. There are a lot of pieces to put together when you're doing everything yourself, but there are also tons of amazing industry professionals to help with that. And so I'm very happy as an independent publisher.
4: Um, yes, yes to what you two just said, but I think, bluntly put, put as well, a lot of MPrEg authors publish on KU, and yes. publishing houses cannot compete with that price structure. No. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a, you know, a basic monetary reason as well.
2: Kindle Unlimited is, is a, a big part of where our income comes from, and most publishers don't want to put yeah. books in Kindle Unlimited, mm-hmm. and most of our readers are very voracious readers. Um, I recently did a poll through my website where I asked, "How many books a week do you read?" And forty percent said they read more than five books a week. That's just that's yeah. just incredible, and that shows that you, that you it, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Well, if mm-hmm. you have to pay for that, you can't. Most readers can't afford to buy uh, more than five books a week. Most books are priced at four ninety nine, three ninety nine. That's a lot of money. So Ku makes total sense. That's why we're in Ku. Most of us. I'm independent
5: All of us. because I didn't know how to go get myself to a publisher, and no publishers have ever knocked on my door. And now that I'm established, I don't think I would want to give up the percentage to the publisher, even though being an independent author is so much work. The control is good. I like to know that I have my cover matched to my character, and that I've, I've worked really hard to build my brand. I've worked really hard on every part of my business. So yeah, I will, I will stay right where I'm at.
0: I want to talk about the fans. Readers who love this genre, they love this genre. And at GRL this year, the four of you took part in a baby shower. And that room was packed (laughs) with passionate readers. It was crazy. All of you giving away prizes and playing party games. It was absolutely wild i'd like for you to speak a little bit about your fans and especially the kind of camaraderie that you're able to build around the worlds that you create whether that's through newsletters or through reader groups on facebook what are fans of impreg like to uh, interact with
5: They're so much fun. (laughs) They are so full of excitement for it. Coming to GRL, this was the first time I ever met readers because I've I've been on the other side of a computer screen until now. So I come here and they come up beside me and then then they see my name badge and they do a double, you're Susie Hawk. And they start shaking or they tear up and they're hugging me and they're like, you don't know what your books have meant to me. And then they're telling me stories like they're going through chemo reading my books. Or they had a death of a parent and got through their grief reading some of my books and it's just and what it meant to them. I was crying right along with them, let me tell you. And it's just oh, the fact that I've touched their lives with my my silly little books, <laughs> you know, but it's amazing. It's a good it's an important thing to know that you've spread a little joy into the world and the fans suck it in and give it right back.
4: One of the uh, surprising things that I found is uh, because I write such so a broad genre, I do everything from historical to paranormal to romantic suspense to, to mpreg, I have bloggers that will usually start their review with, well, I don't read mpreg, but... <laughs> And you know when you get the butt, you've got another reader.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
4: that's, 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 is that's, that what that means? Yeah. For you've got them hooked, yes. most yes. definitely. Yeah. But yeah. the the and the groups are very much the same. Uh, they will join your group because they liked they they liked an imprint book, they wrote, or they like um, a shifter series or urban fantasy, and then they suddenly find out that you do other things as well. But because they trust you as a as a writer because you already delivered it once they will try out other things other mm-hmm. genres like mm-hmm. impreg that they would never ever have considered but if you get the trust of the reader in the first place then they will follow you in a different direction yeah i found that to be very true that
3: you know i have a lot of readers who had read other genres with me and maybe they'd never read impreg or maybe they you know they weren't sure but they're like well I like your other books, so I'm gonna give this a try, and then mm-hmm. they end up hooked, and then they're telling me how. And well, then I read this series, and this series, and this series by these people, and you know. Yeah, I think that's very true for me because I
2: started out in, in in contemporary. When I announced I was going to write Empreg, I got some reactions from readers who were like, "Why are you writing Empreg? I don't read Empreg." And I'm like, "Well, you know, that's fine. First of all, you don't have to read it." I kind of saw it as a challenge if I could persuade them to start reading MPREG. And mm-hmm. um, I'm quite proud of the fact that I brought quite a few of my readers as newbies or virgins into the MPREG genre, and now they're hooked. So that's how we really men. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I love uh, readers in general. GRL is is fantastic to hang out. Mm-hmm. I have a large Facebook group. Oh, we just celebrated 3,000 members in my, in my Facebook group. Um, I'm super active there, and, and readers appreciate that. We are very much a genre where, mm um, M- in general, I think, where we build personal relationships with the readers. They really appreciate that, which I love. I'm personable myself, so. Speaking of the reader groups, so many of my readers and
5: the fans we were talking about before, when I, when I met them at my tables, they'd walk up, and I'd see their name, and I'd greet them, And, oh, my God, it's so good to meet you. And they're like, wait, I'm here to meet you. I'm like, I know you from my Facebook group. Mm -hmm. And what my readers don't understand in my group, when they make comments and they they tell me how much they love stuff or they give me their thoughts, it is so encouraging because writing is such a lonely profession. And there are so many times when I'm having a hard time to, I get a bad case of the I don't want us. (laughs) And then... I get the reader's excitement, and it excites me. It makes me write faster. So you want a new Susie book? Hosted my group and <laughs> <give me another>
2: <laughs> <one>. <laughs> And plus we all suffer from uh, imposter syndrome and can hit oh, big really time. hard. Yeah, and to be around an event like this or to hang out in your group and just get the feedback, like Susie said, my Empreg books, like my books in general, I like to tackle some more serious issues. And one of the storylines I have is about an alpha who, again, spoiler, sorry, um, is about an alpha who discovers that he may look like an alpha, but he feels like a beta, so I'm kind of playing around. Obviously, it's not transgender because we're talking about imprec, but I'm kind of playing around with that, with that dynamic and I've gotten so much feedback from readers um that they recognize themselves in that. My slogan is Love Has No Shame is like y- you have to be who you are, no matter no matter what that is. And that's a theme that runs through my Emperor series that really um connects with readers where I got a lot of phenomenal feedback uh from readers. Sub and I'm 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 proud of that. And that that boosts me when I have the imposter syndrome. I love damn that, that love came oh no that shame. came back. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Love has no shame. Thank you, Nora. I think that's a perfect note on which to end. Before we wrap things up, I'd like to ask each of you what you're working on now and if you have any releases coming up towards the uh, end of 2019. Uh, How about you, Susie? What do you have coming up?
5: Okay, I'm currently working on the next Assassin's Clause book, which is Omegaverse. The Assassin's Clause was supposed to be 20,000-word short reads that you could read in an hour after work, and then they just got to be too good, and they ended up being 40K. So they're still short but So I'm working on that. One of my popular series, Macintosh Meadows, was a trilogy last year. People have been asking, please give us Doc's story. The obstetrician in the books, who would think that the readers would want the Doctor's story? But they do. So here's what Susie's doing. I am writing a nativity story. I have a virgin surrogate Omega named Marion and Dr. Joseph, and they get caught in a blizzard, and he gets birthed in a barn. And that's all going to be in the blurb, so I'm not giving any spoilers.
2: I love you, Susie. Seriously, that's amazing. <laughs> that sounds
0: amazing. Um, Susie, where can people find you online?
5: You can find me at susiehawk.com. You can find me on Facebook at The Hawks Nest. That's my Facebook group. And you can find me on
4: Amazon.
0: Fantastic. Victoria Sue, what do you have coming up next?
4: I'm supposed to have finished a series. Alpha King, Alpha Air, and Alpha Prince is supposed to be complete. But I have a lot of people who are actually asking for the fourth. There is another couple that's mentioned, so I have promised my group that uh, before Christmas I'm going to start writing the fourth. Yes, please.
5: Here
4: <laughs> <laughs> right. you go, Club. Fantastic. And you can find me at victoriasue.com, uh, Victoria Sue's crew on Facebook, um, and just wherever, Amazon.
0: Yeah, Yeah. people will definitely look you up. Sylvia, how about you?
3: So I have two things that I'm working on right now. One is an impreg series, The Dragon Shifters, that I mentioned. And the first one's called The Christmas Dragon's Mate. And that's coming November 15th. And then there'll be three more books in that series, which I would love to have out by the end of the year. But at least shortly thereafter, they'll all four be available. And then I'm working on Paranormal Wolf Shifter series. It's not an impreg series, but the second one of those which is bodyguards bite will be out november 8th
0: fantastic and where can people find you online
3: um at sylviaviolet.com um my facebook group is sylvia's salon and then of course i'm on bookbub and amazon and instagram
2: and all around terrific
0: and how about you nora what do you have coming up
2: I just released a seventh book in my Irresistible Omega series, Alpha's Obedience, and that story was not finished in that book. So that's going to continue in Omega's Power, which I should have had finished, but there was this little thing called GRL <laughs> that costs a lot of time. It's a lot of fun, but time consuming. So Omega's Power will hopefully release uh, within the next two weeks. That will be it for MPREC for this year, but next year I'm continuing that series. I'm probably going to start a spin off and maybe hoping for uh, some collaboration projects. Awesome. And readers can find me at noraphoenix.com. My Facebook uh, group is called Nora's Nook, and I'm pretty much on all social media, really. <laughs> I should probably cut down a little. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so much to look forward to. My TBR is climbing mile high by the second. Thank you so much to the four of you for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. You're
4: welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you you for having us.
0: us. Well, right now I am sitting across from multi-hyphenate Charlie David. He, of course, does absolutely everything, writes, produces, directs. He's an amazing narrator. And I wanted to quickly talk about one of his recent projects, Charlie you have lent your voice to an amazing series by Angel Knotts, the Omega Celibacy Club. What did you think when the manuscript for that first book came across your desk? I was
6: excited, nervous, <laughs> a little bit shocked, a little bit taken aback, because, I mean, that whole universe building that's going on around Prague. I didn't know a lot about, and I hadn't narrated, you know, other work like that before. So I think learning the, the rules, the expectations around the subgenre were were definitely important for me. But I was excited. I was excited because it's so whimsical and wonderful <laughs> and silly and ridiculous. But, you know, at the same time, the characters themselves, everybody... They're living their life and, and you know, what they care about and, and their, their motivations. They take very, very seriously, which is, I think, you know, imperative to to a good story at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. Like you like you mentioned, there are a lot of characters and I never claim to be a, a voice actor, a, you know, a person who can do a bunch of very nuanced, <laughs> specific voices. I kind of say I can kind of do a southern I can kind of do a british I can kind of do you know an alpha and an omega you know in, in timber for you but that that is the the challenging thing in doing voice work is how do I take this story that's not always written with it becoming an audiobook in mind mm-hmm. right like often the the writer is they're they're just writing right and then that's our job to come in and try and make sure that there's correct Pauses, breaks, inflection, speed, timber differences
0: that can be little clues to the to the listener. Because the author is primarily thinking of the reader, but you, as the narrator, need to think about the listener in that right. particular aspect. So, absolutely, and it's not always as simple
6: as, you know, Jake said. And then Simon replied, mm-hmm. right to flag to the listener, okay, this is who's this is who's speaking now. Often, especially as as you get into an an exciting or dynamic scene, people are going back, you know, very quickly without those qualifiers in place. Mm-hmm. But it's super sexy. Like I love, <laughs> I mean, all these ideas of kind of the 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 uh, you know, anamorphism that that goes on too with the you know swelling of a penis inside and then it stays in there and oh my god i need your seed and it's going to do this and that and then you know all the pregnancy stuff that you know these young guys are going through it's it's hilarious and wonderful and i think a really it's a fun exploration as a dude to go through to read about and to imagine as well because i think we all try to be empathetic with the women in our lives But reading something like this just kind of helps take it to that next level where you go, oh, my gosh, like what you do is amazing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, from what you've just said, I think you have seemed to be pretty open about the experience. I mean, before you read Angel Knott's work, had you ever even uh, come across any impreg before? Or was it a a completely brand-new concept? It wasn't brand-new because,
6: let's see, I think it was about – 2015 I did a film I acted in a film uh, titled Paternity Leave and it's uh, a comedy by Matt Riddle Hoover is the director and and screenwriter of that and in it my boyfriend on the one night we switch sexual positions a drunken night and he ends up <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> and then it's happening everywhere. then suddenly men all over the planet are getting pregnant and we're trying to figure out what's going on. So that, that was really fun and ridiculous as as well. And I use ridiculous in like, you know, the very highest praise, best best context in both Agil Knot's work and and Matt Riddle Hoover because I think it's
0: fun. Why not go to these places that are, outside the norm. Mm, exactly. I think specifically when it came to the books and the characters in Omega Celibacy Club, I have the hardest time saying celibacy. It's, it's,
6: I can't do it either. I have tried really tongue hard. Tongue twister. I tried
0: to live it. I tried to <laughs> say it. I can't do it. Exactly. I think what that particular series has that makes it kind of special is, is that it has uh, a light-hearted whimsy but... Also, there is a kind of uh, an authenticity to the way these young men are trying to make it in the world and live their lives. And also, it's like crazy smoking hot when it comes to work that has uh, so many different elements to it. How do you tackle something like that? Mm -hmm. Do you just take it page by page or... Yeah. I mean, definitely as I get
6: into the subsequent books, it's easier to do that because we have a lot of recurring characters and a lot of, you know, I kind of understand the world that's been Mm -hmm. built. Right. But at the beginning, I definitely need to do some reading ahead and really like understand what is going on. Who are these people? Even the power dynamics, right? Because a lot of gay romance is written in a much more kind of equal partner. We come to either side of the table and mm-hmm. decide to get into this. Not, not everything, right? I don't want to generalize, but yeah. a lot of it is done in, in that way. And in this Alpha Omega verse, there really is, you know, there's, there's the Alpha, right? And mm-hmm. what does that mean? And that it's, it's desired and wanted and it can still be, you know. There can still be equality in a relationship there, mm-hmm, yeah. but but it. I think it explores different different nuance in a way that that maybe isn't always touched on in in other gay romance. Yeah.
0: Well, Charlie, thank you for sitting down and talking to us about this. Um, so glad that you are here at GRL and experiencing all the uh, wonders uh, that are wacky. <laughs> Literary community has to offer. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me
6: again. Really appreciate it.
1: This week's interview transcript is brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the author interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. I want to quickly
0: say thank you again to everyone: Nora and Sylvia and Victoria and Susie and Charlie for taking some time to sit down with us and talk about impreg.
1: Um, it was a wonderful experience. I'm so glad we had a chance to do that. I am too. You don't hear me on those interviews, but I was there for all of them. And I learned so much about this genre that I don't read and have so much more understanding of it now. I really enjoyed that interview. Yeah. Okay, guys, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, Just a
0: quick reminder, Patreon is a great way for fans to engage with creators of all types and support the kinds of creative content that you enjoy the most we couldn't do this show every week without the help of our super fans on patreon the support of our community helps with production costs and ensures that the show is accessible to everybody if you're curious about what kind of bonus material we deliver to our patreon community members every single month just go to patreon.com slash big gay fiction podcast now coming up in episode 216 charlie cochet joins us as part of our series of interviews with coastal magic
1: featured authors It's always a delight to talk to Charlie, and we'll find out what she's got coming up between now and Coastal Magic in February. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Okay,
0: guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book.
1: Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. The Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media/podcasts. For
0: detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.